The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. A little while ago, I was asked this question. I thought it was a good question. It said, if your life had a soundtrack, what would be like the main song in your life. And I thought about that, and we were, several of us were together, we were talking about that, and some people gave some good answers, some thoughtful answers, and I thought of a couple songs, but I couldn't nail, like, what would the perfect song be if my life was a soundtrack? But I, ju- I think I just recently discovered it. But to tell you what that song is, I've got to just recap something that, that happened uh, recently. Um, well, I had a birthday recently. And, uh, well, just wait a second, okay? It's not all that good, all right? So it was, um, it was a big birthday. I'm just going to say that. It's one of those milestone birthdays, you know, you, you just, you never think it's actually going to arrive, and then one day you wake up, and, and it's actually here, okay? And it makes you think about things. You try and hide from it, but it catches up to you. I turned 25, Okay. It was a big one, you know, and it caught me off guard. Some of you laughed a little too hard, and it's offensive. That hurt my feelings. No, um, I, I'm not going to tell you. I, I was born in 1982. If you want to do the math, you're welcome to do that. Some of you might be capable of counting that many numbers, and if you can. Uh, but it was a big birthday, and, you know, Rebecca made a nice meal. Um, we ate it at 4 p.m. so I could get to bed at 7, you know. <laughs> not have any indigestion, you know. It was a great birthday. And uh, the staff, they, they were kind, okay. They, they did decorate my office. They could have been a lot more mean, uh, but they were kind. But one thing that was in my office was um, this poster, okay. And at first I'm like, oh, that's cool. But the more I read it, I felt like it kind of, it was like one of those gifts that had like a barb to it, okay. These are all things that happened back in 1982, so I started like looking at this, and some of them were like, oh, that's interesting. Like, okay, you know, the 49ers won the, won the Super Bowl. Like, oh, yeah, that's right, you know, and Magnum P.I. was on television, okay? And I was like, wow, that's right, okay? And then I like noticed some other things, and it started to get hurtful to read this list, okay? <laughs> the best picture was Chariots of Fire. I was like, I thought that was made in like the 30s. Like, how old <laughs> am I, Okay. I read the, the, the price of a loaf of bread was 50 cents. I felt like I grew up in the Great Depression. Like, when was I actually born? But then my eyes alighted upon some of the key songs from 1982, some of the chart toppers. And that's when I discovered, finally, the answer I've been waiting for. If there was a perfect song, if my life was a soundtrack, and I had the perfect song that could possibly summarize, like run behind my life as I go through, through every day. And I think, I think I found it. It's this song that was big in 1982, the year I was born. And I would like to share it with you. Would it be okay if I shared this song? Okay. All right. Check out this video. Look at this song.
I mean... All right, you're dismissed. I'll see you. Good Friday. I mean, what else do we need after that? I mean, those guys, I mean, they mean business, right? I mean, when they walk, I have a tiger. Okay, I think that might be the perfect song. Okay, finding like the perfect song, especially for the, the occasion, there's something magical about that. Maybe some of you are about to enter into spring break or just had spring break or you're on spring break and you know, finding that perfect spring break playlist with all those right songs, man, there's something that is just magical about finding the right song for the right moment, okay? Or maybe there's that a particular song that you sing at various holidays, and when you hear that, it reminds you of that particular holiday season. Or maybe it's that, that perfect song for the first dance after your wedding. Or maybe it's that f- the, the best, most perfect song when you're on a road trip, okay? Like finding the right song for the exact right moment. Man, that can be a really, really moving experience. And I bring this up because we're starting a new series called This New Day. And really what we're going to study through this series is one song. And it, is a, it's, it comes from the Psalms. It's a particular ancient Hebrew song in the book of Psalms in, in the Bible. And it is the, the perfect song for the Holy Week. In fact, it's one of the songs they would have sung during the Holy Week. And I think as we talk through this song, today, um, Palm Sunday, on Good Th- uh, Friday, Good Friday, and then on Easter Sunday, as we talk through this, I want you to see why this song was such an important song during that week. And I think here's what we're going we're gonna to find out. That no matter what moment you are in right now, no matter what moment your life finds you in, Victory, defeat, rest, anxiety, satisfaction, longing, whatever that season is that you find, you find yourself in, this particular moment, maybe just exhaustion or maybe being energized, whatever this particular moment is, this song, I think, is going to speak to you. And more than just be like, wow, that's great, I feel good. Like, more than that, more than just a, a, a song that we could find on the radio to accompany an occasion. Like, this song, I think, can speak to each one of us in a way that leaves us completely different. It's got the words that might be exactly what you need right now. I want to walk into this psalm together. I want you to open in your Bible or your Bible app on your phone. Go to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Now, while you turn there, I want to show you why this song, I'm going to join you there in just a minute, but I want you to see why this particular song is the right for this occasion. And so what I'm going to do is I just want to read these two verses to you out of John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Let me just read this to you, and then we'll we'll go over to Psalm 118. Here's what this says. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, crying out, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Okay, this is um, a moment that is really what we're celebrating today, what we remember today. It is that Palm Sunday moment. It's Sunday, the first day of the week. Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, and there are huge crowds there for the feast. Now, what's the feast? The feast is Passover. It's one of the three annual feasts that all of Israel comes from wherever they're living, and they all come to the one city, Jerusalem. They would do this three times a year for the various feasts. Passover is one of them. This particular uh, feast, because everyone's there, I mean, it, Jerusalem is just packed with people. It is so swollen with people. Many more times what its typical capacity is. Everyone's there. Everyone is entering in. Everyone's been traveling from all over to get to Jerusalem for this Passover week. Passover is when they would remember many hundred years, hundreds of years before, when their ancestors were enslaved in Egypt. They cried out to the Lord that they would be set free. God heard them. The Lord heard them, sent Moses. Moses went in and he told Pharaoh to let his people go. There were a series of plagues. And the final plague, it was demonstrating God's power, his superiority over the gods of Egypt, that he is the one true living God. That there is, there is Yahweh, there is God Almighty, and there is no other. And so the final plague, this final moment of God showing his power, is death came through Egypt and touched down in every single home in Egypt. And it was only God's people that death passed over. And what they did, God told them to take a lamb, to sacrifice the lamb, to feast on lamb that night, and then they would take the blood of the lamb and they would paint it over their doorposts. And so whoever had the blood of the lamb over their house, death would pass over. From that, they were freed from their slavery. So this was what they're thinking back. God told them to remember that moment year upon year to remember Passover, and they would all come to Jerusalem to remember that particular moment. Okay, when Jesus comes riding in, they are celebrating Jesus by this point is very well known. They're celebrating Jesus. They're putting down these palm branches as he's coming, riding on a donkey. He comes and, and it's the triumphal entry. It's Palm Sunday. And there's a song that they all start singing. Now, I don't know what crowds you've been around. Most of them that I've been around, they don't spontaneously break out in the same song like it's a musical, Okay. That doesn't happen very often in real life, okay? Outside of sporting events, why do they all suddenly start singing the same song? They start singing Hosanna, which is the Hebrew words that mean save us, please, or save us, we pray. They sing, save us, we pray, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Why are they singing this particular song? Why do they all start singing that song? It's because there's a section in the book of Psalms, Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, that's called the Hallel, and it is the Psalms that they would sing at Passover. And it starts in 113, it starts, the very first words in 113 are, praise the Lord, which we translate into English as hallelujah. Hallel in Hebrew means praise. The ya at the end means the Lord. Praise the Lord. Whenever you hear the word hallelujah, you're saying a Hebrew and a very, very ancient Hebrew word that was sung all the way back 
in the temple, all the way around the tabernacle. It's a very ancient Hebrew word that means praise the Lord. Because um, Psalm 113 begins with praise the Lord, praise, this whole section is called the Hallel. And it crescendos in Psalm 118. They would be singing these songs all throughout the week. This is their Passover song list. They would be singing these as they're coming to Jerusalem, as they're entering into Jerusalem, all throughout the week, all culminating on Passover, and, they, and the, the kind of crescendo psalm of this called the Hallel is Psalm uh, 118. So let's jump over to Psalm 118 together and see what it has to say. Let's pick it up in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. The psalm opens up with a command. It opens up, give thanks to the Lord. So as they're singing this psalm together, like as a, as a group, as a congregation, as they're singing this song, embedded in there is a command to themselves and to each other. Really, since it's out of the scripture, it's actually from God, a command that they're embracing that they will give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he's good. That's who he is. He is good. Now, I want you to think about this. For generations, they would sing these same songs at Passover. And so you think about those annual rhythms, those things that, you know, every year it's kind of a marker that another year has passed. You know, you think about, you know, when you come up, uh, across a birthday or you come across a major holiday where the family gets together, maybe uh, 4th of July or Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's. As you're going through those holidays, you kind of reflect over the past previous year. Imagine as they're walking in for Passover, they're thinking, oh yeah, what, what was it that happened since this last time we were singing these songs? And probably a mixed bag. For some, it was a great year. For others, maybe it was like, ah, this is a tough one. This year, man, if I could tell myself last Passover what I'd be, where I'd be at this Passover, man, it would be completely different. And so circumstantially, they would come into Passover and they'd think, well, boy, man, there's some things I could give thankful for, but man, then there's a lot that I, I don't want to give thanks for. Or maybe, you know, some years I've come and kind of the dominant feeling is, man, I'm so thankful to God for what happened this past year, but man, this last year, I, this is not one of those I give thanks to the Lord. But here's what the Psalm commands as they're walking in another year. They command themselves to give thanks and it really has nothing to do with their circumstances. They're giving thanks to the Lord because he is good. And that is a fact. Then it repeats this phrase, his steadfast love endures forever. His love is eternal. It's unbreaking. It's not wavering. You know, we think of, I think, as in our culture, 
the highest view of love is like, I'm emotionally overflowing with love. Like, man, I, I just, I, I, this love flows out. But what this kind of love this is describing is something superior. It is a love from God that says, I love you because I have bound myself to you. I have committed myself to you. I have covenanted myself to you. And so because that covenant stands forever, I will always love you no matter what. And see, our ears hear that and be like, uh, it sounds kind of like love by obligation. It sounds like love by a chore because we think, well, the, be the so most superior type of love is I feel overwhelming love, but that's actually, we actually need to redefine how we view true, deep, rich, the most, the most, the highest view of love is one that's flowing out of a commitment and a covenant, not the most shaky, fickle part of our lives, our emotions. And God says, man, I am overflowing with love towards you, and that will absolutely never change. That always stands because that's my character towards you. I cannot, God cannot deny who he is. And so since he has said that he will love his people, that love is perpetual. Doesn't fade, doesn't stray, doesn't throttle forward and back. It is constant overflowing. And so they enter in, the psalm starts, give thanks to the Lord, it's a command. Because he is good and his love is constant, it will not fade. He's bound himself. Almighty God's bound himself to his people. Then he says this. Let's pick it up in, in verse five. The psalm says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. You can see why this psalm is one of the psalms that's the backdrop to Passover. Because they're remembering when God's people cried out and said, our enemies who despise us, the Egyptians, they're so cruel, they've enslaved us, and we're calling out to you, Lord, deliver us. And they're remembering when God heard their call for distress. And that God came in and they didn't lift a finger. God stepped in and fought for them while they stood aside and watched and kept silent. They're remembering how when they called on the Lord, he answered him. I wanna, there's so much in this psalm. I want to jump down towards the end. Let's pick it up in verse 23. Here's what it says. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O oh Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. This, the Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the feastal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. Once again, you see the, the Passover backdrop here. Here's what it says. I don't know if this was familiar to you, but one of the most famous phrases from the Psalms, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It comes right out of here from, this, from the Hallel, from the crescendo of the Hallel, from Psalm uh, 118. Uh, you can imagine the festivities. 
They've traveled a long way. They're walking up, which would be kind of this upward, up Mount Zion, up into Jerusalem, and they're celebrating. Man, all of this festivity, they're probably looking forward to the feast and looking forward to seeing family members and looking forward to seeing friends and looking forward to that for, for seeing people they haven't seen in a long time. All the festivities are like, wow, this is the day the Lord has made. That God made the, this festival. God made this celebration. We're going to rejoice. This is the Lord's day, and we will rejoice and be glad in this day. And then you heard that Palm Sunday phrase, right? Save us, we pray. Hosanna. This cry, year upon year, they would continue echoing. Hosanna, save us, we pray. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you see what they're anticipating after they sing this year after year after year? They're anticipating one that God the Father will send. One who will come, a Messiah who will come, and with him will be, he'll bring deliverance. God will one day send another deliverer who will bring salvation as they're crying out in their distress. They say, bind the feastal sacrifice with cords. This is literally what they would do. Every family would bring a lamb. They would, the lamb would probably have like a, a like a rope tied around it, and then they would bring it into the temple, and on the altar, on every corner was a horn on the altar, and then they would tie the other end of the rope to the horn of the altar, and they would offer that lamb as a sacrifice. You see the Passover is the backdrop to this, and they're celebrating. They're celebrating that this is the day the Lord has made, and he has let his light shine upon them. Now, I want you just to enter into this imagery here. We view the day, we talk about this sometimes, we view the day as beginning at sunrise. So when we wake up in the morning, ah, sun comes up, and our thinking, when the sun comes up, a new day has started. But in the old, by Hebrew understanding, the way the Bible described it and the way they thought is as the sun set, that was the beginning of a new day. The day began in the dark, ended with the light. We view the day beginning with the light, ending with the dark. They viewed sunset as the beginning of the day. It started in the dark, their day, ended in the light. So when it says, this is the day the Lord has made, they're, as they're anticipating the beginning of a brand new day, they're in the dark anticipating the light to come. You follow me? So then they sing... The, God has brought his light to shine upon us. What they're saying is, we've been in the darkness, we've been anticipating the light to come, today is the day, now is when the light has finally come to shine on us. We've been calling out, save us, we pray, we've been calling out, we're, we're calling out from our distress, but now finally, the sun has risen, the light is finally shining, we've been waiting in the dark. Rich imagery, right? Okay, I want to show you these last two verses. Um, let's take a look at 28. And 29. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you or lift you up and exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The psalm ends just how it began, word for word. It begins and ends with the command give thanks. 
It is imperative that we give thanks to the Lord. It is a command. It's not an option. If we're part of God's people, we give thanks to the Lord because he is good. That is a fact. That's who he is. And his love is never fading. It's constant. It's eternal. It's steadfast. Nothing shakes his love for us. Now, I want you to think about the context of this. There's several contexts that this brilliant song is operating under. For starters, it's, it's remembering the Passover. It's ancient setting. They've been waiting for the deliverance of the Lord, and now it's, it's finally here. They're remembering that. Then there's the context of their life, generation on generation. They're arriving at Jerusalem, and they're like, yeah, my life has similarities to the Passover. There's ways that I'm calling out on my distress, and I'm waiting for the Lord, for his light to shine on my life. Like, I'm waiting for, as, I, as I'm entering into this, but I'm going to choose to give thanks to the Lord. It's kind of setting their own personal context. But then there's another context that's absolutely mind-blowing. It's that they were singing this at Palm Sunday and couldn't grasp how unbelievably true those words were beyond their wildest imagination. Jesus is riding in. Jesus the Messiah. And they're saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. They don't, they can't even imagine how all eternity has been building towards this day. They can't imagine how finally that, that they felt in the dark and now God's light is shining upon them. They can't imagine the darkness the universe has been in that's about to break way and that light is going to shine and light will win. They can't imagine the, the significance of all of that. They can't imagine as they're singing Hosanna, as they're saying, save us, we pray, that the actual Savior is actually, that is actually coming in. How could they possibly imagine the significance of what they're singing? See, here's what they're saying. When they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the world, in the, in the Lord, Jesus is not just entering in, in the name of the Lord. Jesus is the Lord in the flesh. He's the one. He is the one that saved their ancestors in Egypt. The very one is there in the flesh. The one they've been waiting for is God himself to enter into his own creation. When they say, bind up the feastal sacrifice, the festival sacrifice, they don't realize they're singing that around them with their palm branches. They're singing that around the one who actually is the lamb himself. All the lambs for generation and all the times that they've been singing that has all been pointing to this one Jesus who is the lamb of God here to take away the sins of the world. How could they possibly imagine that when the light has dawned on their darkness, that it's actually a person. He is the light of the world. I mean, the significance that particular year as they're singing Psalm 118. It's no wonder that when the Pharisees started to get nervous, and they say, Rabbi, they're, they're singing the Hallel, but it kind of feels like they're singing like at you. Command them to stop. That Jesus just says, if they stop singing, 
the rocks themselves are going to cry out. You don't understand. Creation itself has been waiting for this day that the Lord has made. I mean, the molecules in the universe are ready to break forth and be set free from what's about to happen. See, there's an ancient Passover context. There was the present context of that moment. There was then the Palm Sunday context, but there's one more context we've got to look at. See, this would be the psalm, series of psalms that they would sing all, all week, culminating at the Passover meal, which Jesus had with his disciples on Thursday night. And so they would sing the Hallel, Psalm 113 through, um, usually Psalm 113 and 114 before the meal, and then after the meal, they would sing Psalm 115 through Psalm 118. Like, let me just, for example, this is what it says in, in Matthew, in Matthew 26, 30. Um, it's right there after the Lord's Supper. It says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. What's the hymn? They would have sung Psalm 115, 116, 117, all crescendoing into Psalm 118. So imagine, they began the Passover feast. Maybe it was still light outside. They sing the first couple songs. Uh, praise the Lord. You know, sing Psalm 113. They have this whole long Passover meal remembering God's deliverance. And then at the end of the meal, by then sun has set, a brand new day has, has dawned, and um, a brand new day has happened because now it's dark. And they would sing these psalms culminating in Psalm 118. But I want you to put yourself there around that table with Jesus. He's just broken bread and passed it around and said, this is my body broken for you. This is a symbol of what's about to happen. My body's going to be broken. Pours out the wine, passes it around, says, my blood is about to be shed for you. And I'm, it's a new covenant that God is binding himself to his people. And he finishes the supper and then they sing this song right before he walks out into a brand new day, right? Because the sun is just freshly set. But I want you to think about what Jesus, the day Jesus was about to walk into. I want you to think about this new day that Jesus was going to walk into that night, starting that night. He just would send out into the darkness someone that he poured into that betrayed him. They would walk out, and he would ask his friends, hey, can you, could you pray with me, please? Could you be praying for me? And pray for yourselves. And they'd fail him. They'd all fall asleep on him. And then in agony, he would be honest before God, begging God, is there any way in all of your sovereignty that you can make me not drink this bitter, bitter cup? And how much was his anxiety, his agony, his just total and utter thorough dread? It says like, sweat beads like drops of blood pouring down from his, his head was just so great was his emotional anguish. And yet he said a song, a song of a prayer of, of surrender. 
Your will, not my own. And then some troops, he'd see them coming down from Jerusalem. He'd see their torches. He'd stand and he'd say to his disciples, it's time. And he'd walk up. And you imagine just his heart beating. Just the total dread because he knew what was coming. And they'd walk into the garden. And the one who betrayed him would come up just bold-faced, kiss him on the cheek. And the disciples would get ready to fight, like, let's throw down, and Jesus would be like, no, 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 just, this is what's got to happen. I'm the one you're looking for. That would be a sleepless night for Jesus. He'd be utterly exhausted. His, all of his disciples, all of his friends would have completely abandoned him. He's now been betrayed and abandoned and left completely alone. He'd be passed between the Sanhedrin and Herod and Pilate. And a sham trial, false accusations leveraged him. He'd have to feel the sting of the injustice of lies set against him. He'd be mocked. He'd be punched, slapped, spit upon. He'd be stripped and humiliated. He'd be beaten with rods. Then he'd be whipped within an inch of his life. Then he'd have nails uh, driven into his, his, his hands and his feet after he's dragged across up his just open flesh all down his back. He'd carry the cross up a mountain and he'd be crucified, nailed to a tree. He'd be hoisted up where he would, in his final moments of complete other physical shock and exhaustion, he would suffocate on the cross, a spectacle for all to see and mock, and he would die before sunset the next day. So here's what I want you to see, Christian. I want you to hear again the song that Jesus sang as he entered into that day. When the sun went down in that day that all the universe had been waiting for, here's what he sang. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Bind up the feastal sacrifice and take it to the altar. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. That's the song your Savior sang that day. Here's what this means for you and me. If Jesus can sing that song as the darkest day in the history of the universe is beginning. The day where he will face unimaginable torture and agony like no human could imagine taking the wrath of God and having the very presence of the Father torn away as the day he will undergo all of that, if he can sing those words, then those of us who are honored to follow after him can do the same. What's the perfect song? The perfect song, no matter the moment, is a song of hallelujah to God.
I, I want you to hear this because it's not just inauthentically saying, no, everything's fine. Like, I'm good. It doesn't matter. I, I might be going through pain, but I'm blessed. It's not that because that's not what Jesus did. He sang the song with this declaration of reality, God is good and his love is steadfast. He sang that song and declared it, but in authenticity, he brought his friends around and said, please pray for me, please support me, please strengthen me with your prayers. Please pray for yourselves to make it through this season. He brought his community around him. He also authentically brought his cry and his anxiety and his stress and his pain before his father. He says, Father, can you take this from me? He, he asked the unimaginable request of the Lord. He brought all that authentically before God and then surrendered to it. Don't miss this. He was authentic in what he was facing. But the backdrop song, the soundtrack for that season was I will give thanks to the Lord for he is good. I will praise the Lord. I will sing hallelujah to God because no matter what it is that I am facing right now, my circumstances cannot change a greater unmovable fact in the universe that God is good and his love is unchanging and unmovable. I don't know we can celebrate that. I don't know, Christian, what it is that you're walking through right now. Student, maybe you're walking through the loneliness of the anxiety and the stress. Maybe it's academic stress. Maybe it's future career stress. Maybe it's relational stress. I don't know what you're walking through, but you may feel totally and utterly alone and don't know what to do. Follow in the footsteps of your Savior. Pull your Christian brothers and sisters in. Be honest before the Lord. Pray surrender, but make the backdrop of your life, the backdrop song soundtrack to your life, the song that you sing, ultimately be a hallelujah to God because you know he's good. Young adult, Maybe you're waiting on, I don't know what to do with career, or you're struggling with disappointment. So far in life, I've made some decisions. It's not turned out the way I'm supposed to be. Or you're waiting for a spouse. You're waiting for someone to get married to. You're waiting to try and figure out what the next step is. And everything seems to be waiting, and you don't know which path to take. And in all of that stress, all of that pressure, let the soundtrack of this moment be praised to the Lord and the acknowledgement that he still is good no matter what, and his love has not faded back, it's not throttled back, it's still present in your life even though you can't see how. Young couple, starting a family, walking through challenges, walking through exhaustion, maybe walking through grief, you can let the backdrop song of your life still be a hallelujah before God. Maybe you have grown kids and the stress and pressures of having young adults or maybe um, young kids out of the house and you're hoping, I hope that they're going to go in the right way. I hope that they're going to find Jesus. I hope they're going to make wise decisions or I'm worried about the decisions they're making. Parent of, of adult children, you can still stand confidently saying, I don't, even if I don't see how, even if all of my circumstances are saying the opposite, I will follow in, my, in the footsteps of my Savior and acknowledge there is a reality. God is good and his steadfast love will never fade. That's a fact. Maybe you're in a new season of life. Maybe you've just retired. Maybe there's the old things have, have passed. You're wondering what this new season's going to look like. 
you're looking for purpose. Maybe you're, you're finding yourself facing new challenges. Maybe there's health concerns and health challenges. Maybe there's fears that you've never felt before. Whatever the season is, follow in the footsteps of your Savior. Be authentic about it before the Lord and in your community. But here's the backdrop song. God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You say, how could I, how could I possibly sing that song in this moment because you're waiting for the light to shine because you know with God it may start dark but it will always end in the light you say what's the guarantee the guarantee is the same guarantee your savior experience in the darkness, that new day as he walked in, saying, this is the day the Lord has made. This day may end in the dark, but in the light, there will be another day. There will be a brand new day. See, here's what your guarantee is, Christian. It's what we're celebrating next Sunday. It's that there was an Easter Sunday. Jesus did raise from the dead. Death was defeated. Sin was defeated. And in the end, Jesus reigns victorious, and he proves that God is good and even if circumstances are bad it just means that God's love has not fully played out the situation that will work together for your good Christian do you believe that do you believe that that is true you have hope that every day the Lord has made ends in the light and the resurrection is the guarantee and if Jesus can walk into the darkest day in the universe and declare a song of hallelujah, then Christian, in your pain, this is your moment. This is the moment you do something utterly otherworldly, alien and foreign and absolutely not understandable to anyone else. Because your new life pattern is one from darkness to light. It's one from death to resurrection. You know God's not through. And so you can do something otherworldly because your Savior is otherworldly and he made you a new creation. You can sing a song of hallelujah even in your darkest day. I want to enter into just a time of prayer. We're going to actually close our time practicing this and singing together. But before we do that, I want to enter into a time of prayer. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Christian, whatever you're walking through, will you choose today to give thanks to the Lord? And don't let your, circum your present circumstances Change the reality that he's good and his steadfast love endures forever. Choose to praise him today and let that, the sweetness of your faith, be your fragrant offering back to God in this moment. But I want to speak to some of you and I want you to hear how Jesus surrendered himself to the Father. Not my will, but your will be done. And I want to speak to some of you here because there's some of you here, I believe, you're watching online, you're sitting in the Cooper City Auditorium, maybe you're sitting here, 
And really, here's your relationship to Jesus. Maybe it's a Christian association. Maybe it's a Christian label. Maybe it's a Christian heritage. But that's not what this is about. You're following the person of Jesus. And to follow Jesus is a full and total surrender. In the same way he was fully surrendered to the Father, we fully surrender to him. That means we say, Jesus, you're my Savior. I don't try and be Christian enough or good enough, or I don't just go to church enough to hopefully make it to heaven. No, I know I'm making it to heaven because I have a Savior. I'm not my own Savior. I don't save myself. I have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And so I, I surrender it all to you, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my hopes. I give you my future. I give you my time. I give you my resources. I give you my dreams. I give you my plans. I give you every part of me, every part of my body, every part of my soul. I give you all that I am, a full surrender, all or nothing to follow you, Jesus. And whatever new day I wake up into, I rejoice because you've got me on an adventure and you're gonna work it all together for good. If Jesus is your savior, this is what it means to follow him. It's all or nothing surrender to Jesus. And so what I wanna invite some of you in is, it's not just aligning with the religion. It's never been about that. It's making Jesus your savior and surrendering to him. I want to give you a moment to respond. And so here's what I want to do with no one looking around, every head bowed, every eyes closed. In a moment, if you want to surrender to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand, whether you're at Cooper City, even if you're watching online at home or you're here, if today's the day you want to make Jesus your Savior, I want you to remember this day. If you want to know for sure you're saved today, don't leave here with questions. Make Jesus your Savior. And so if that's you, I just want you to silently lift your hand right now. Say, I want to, be, I want to find Jesus as my Savior. Praise God. Amen. Anyone else, you say, today is my day. I surrender to Jesus. Amen. For those of you who are taking that step, let me lead you in this prayer. Silently make this your prayer to Jesus. Say this, say, Jesus silently right there in your seat say Jesus I surrender to you I will follow you no matter what because you saved me by your death and resurrection thank you for saving me in Jesus name amen hey church there were people that were here as part of our church who put their faith in Jesus for the first time. Can we just celebrate with them? Praise God. Praise God. For those of you who did that, here's what I want you to do. Um, you can either do this. If you're watching online, you can grab your cell phone. Go to cityrev.org faith. You can also do that if you're here. And that's going to ask you a couple questions because we want to mail you a Bible. If you're here, one step even better than that is you can grab that Get Connected card. Fill that out. If you take that to guest services, we will put a Bible in your hands today as our gift to you to start you on this journey. We want to celebrate with you. Church, here's the thing. No matter what's happening, 
There's always a perfect song to sing back to God. It's a hallelujah. No matter what we're walking through, this is where we express the faith of our Savior that in our darkest day we sing praises, praises of faith that our God is good and nothing changes that. Amen? Nothing changes that our God is good and His steadfast love. So we're going to sing out a hallelujah. Would you stand with me as we close with this song? Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.